0: Welcome to Tech Talks, your weekly technology podcast, powered by Nash Squared and brought to you by myself, David Savage. Last week, I took a short trip across the North Sea to the Netherlands to talk to the startup and scale-up community there about inclusion and the LGBTQIA community. The event was co-sponsored by our sister brand, Sphinx, on site. Plenty more about them in the show notes. But what I'm really hoping is that this episode two separate sessions in one provides plenty of takeaways and actions that you can implement in your own businesses and try and make sure that they are as welcoming and inclusive as they possibly can be. Enjoy the show. Joining me today, long-time co-host Akish. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Good morning. Uh, this This is fun because last week, I took a short trip across the North Sea to Amsterdam to record a live version of Tech Talks with uh, a panel of six split into two to discuss LGBTQIA plus and inclusion more broadly within technology and the startup sector in the Netherlands. And Akish, given that you are the co-chair of our own D, E and I council, I must be straight up your street.
1: Yeah, it was um, it was good. Listen to it actually um, listen to Sarah Massey, listen to, um, you know, some of the other guests um, and just a conversation really and, and kind of touching upon a lot of things, you know, about inclusion, about, you know, VC funding of, of kind of um You know, like a diverse group of founders. Um, Mm -hmm. Listen to like you know how how people are kind of championing and chairing their own employee resource groups, which I know you touched upon in the um, in the discussion. That's something that we're looking to do here at Nash Squared. Um, So yeah, it it was it was good to see that you know people people are thinking of diversity, equity, and and inclusion as, as 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 a major driving force within business, right? And and kind of actually this is being now not just talked you know talked upon in hr meetings or board meetings but this is just wider industry conversation now and, and more and more awareness mm-hmm. um and i liked you know one of the guests obviously said um yeah something that i chuckled at was um you know, for years, people have been calling these groups minority groups, you know, call them extraordinary or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that. I got a
0: slight slap on the wrist at that moment because I think I'd, I'd used the word minority and it was like, no, yeah. no, no, let's not say minority. I mean, anyway, this yeah, is, this I'll is spoilers. That, so yeah. This is spoilers. So let's, let's save a bit of discussion because what we're going to do is we've got two 20 minute sessions. So we're going to play the first one, have a quick break, come back and then play the second one. So we'll introduce the two panels, but beforehand, um, In the first panel, there is a suggestion that you should write the weird stuff that you're into in a bowl uh, and pull it out. Because one way to empower people is to get them to share their stories and therefore that judgmental um, fear, or the fear of being judged, rather, will fade away. So, Akish, before we dive into this, if you had to write a weird hobby or something weird in a bowl about yourself, what would it be?
1: Uh, I think something weird about me is i can fall asleep anywhere uh, well, i can do that yeah, yeah, yeah. but then uh, i've been told that's weird but, examples uh trains buses tubes bars nightclubs um yeah yeah just and, and i can fall asleep at like you know like in, in literally two minutes like no problem
0: i once went went to a pub bought around fell asleep face planted on the table in a group of 14 people and got woken up about an hour later by my mate who was like, I think you should go home. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's 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 probably what I can say on this forum, but, you know, it's probably a lot more quirkier things. That, uh, Here,
0: here's, here's something on my side then. Um, when I was a teenager, I used to really enjoy... Um, you know Warhammer, the yeah, yeah, little models, yeah yeah. That yeah, yeah, painting them and stuff during lockdown. I decided that that would be a good use of my of my lockdown <laughs> time, so I, I got a few more. <laughs> Warhammer models as a as a 36-year-old and started painting them because I thought, why not? Yeah, but that, you know, that's nostalgia, right?
1: That's, that's, that's our, like... Well, I say, oh, I'm a few years younger. It's a bit geeky. I'll say I'm a few years younger than you, but um, I, I remember I used to go to the Warhammer shop on Saturday mornings my mum used to drop me off.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Um, for two- Dream job, that. Yeah. All those adults basically just playing Warhammer all day. Yeah,
1: and, and I remember my mum used to drop me off at 10 o'clock, pick me up at 1.30, and uh, me and my mates used to go and paint Warhammer... Yeah things and then have yeah. have little wars on the the tables in the shop so yeah
0: No, no judgment here, Akish. No judgment here. (laughs) Um, The first panel, Ingrid, uh, 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 Ranjith and Nick. Ranjith uh, introduces his company as SeedLink. As of today, so the 27th of September, SeedLink is no longer SeedLink. It is Pera, P-E-R-A, so Pera or Pera. So they've had a name change. So no longer SeedLink, but Pera. Uh, So that's worth noting. But we'll play this first um, session. It's 20 minutes. Um, This is very much around the LGBTQIA plus community and making people, f- people feel safe in working environments and ERGs. And we'll be back uh, in between the two sessions to have a little discussion. I'm afraid we've got to do something a little bit repetitive because, of course, anyone tuning in won't have had the opportunity to listen to Sasha's introductions. So I'll start, Ingrid, by just asking you, uh, as you're sitting to my left, to say who you are and what you do.
3: My name is Ingrid Tapin. I uh, work for TechLeap. Um, I'm responsible for the culture, leadership, and DEI mission we have to strengthen
0: the Dutch tech ecosystem. Ranjith, same question.
4: My name is Ranjith Klaasens. I work as a head of commercial SaaS for SeedLink. And I'm responsible for growing the business on the startup scale-up side.
0: And
2: Nick. Uh, Nick Hillhorst. Um I work at Uber. I'm responsible for um, policy, a head of policy for Northern Europe and also Head of Operations for Northern Europe.
0: Brilliant, thank you. First question, Uh, and we'll go to Ingrid for this one. How can you ensure that your organization is a safe place for LGBTQIA plus people to work?
3: Ooh, that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) And 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. 20 minutes, and and I'm not the only person who can talk here. Um, Well, from my experience, when, when you talk about ensuring people feel safe, Uh, we're actually saying ensuring people can bring their whole selves to work. And, um, which is a very important uh, thing to ensure as an organization, and I would say especially in tech, because um, we are the ones that are innovating, uh, solving, pressing global problems. So we need people to be at their most creative, um, at their most uh, motivated, and uh, and that means that you need to feel safe because um, if you're not if you don't feel safe you are always in a defense mode and you're not able to uh, bring the creativity the innovation and your problem-solving skills to work Um, from a brain perspective because that's a little bit of my uh, my expertise that means that an organization should make sure that you have role models um, that especially when you are uh, well, let's say part of the queer community or a person of color or a woman, you feel, hey, I see people there that look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay for me to be me here. Uh, that's one, one thing. Um, a second tip I have for if you want to have a safe workplace um, is to realize that even though most people don't have bad intentions when it comes to welcoming people, I think most of us all want to welcome people when they come to work but we don't always necessarily have the tools to uh, speak and welcome people in the way that they need to be welcomed. So just to give an example, um, when you walk into a room for the first time, and in my case I would say, hey, my name is Ingrid, Uh, my wife and I, we have two daughters, and uh, my new colleague would say, oh, you're gay, oh, that's totally okay. I know a gay person, so I'm okay with that. not intentionally a bad thing, but doesn't really make me feel uh, safe. It feels I've had to defend myself. So educating your leaders and employees on ways to be inclusive is also uh, a way to be safe. Um, I can go on, but uh, I would say my main topic is make sure that people can see who they can be and make sure that you uh, educate and give people the tools to be actually intentionally inclusive.
0: You touch on allyship, which is a a big topic, especially in technology, where, you know, unfortunately, we're we're talking about minorities within further minorities, because tech is not wonderfully inclusive. Mm -hmm. And you talk there about educating allies. I am straight, I am white, I'm pretty privileged. Um, Nick knows this. We actually went to university together. Yes. (laughs) So uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, you probably saw the 20 one-year-old, 20-year-old version of me that was possibly even more privileged. How do you make sure that you educate allies in organizations throughout their lives to make sure that they do make people, people feel safe and do say the right things and don't unfortunately fall into the trap of what Ingrid was describing?
2: I think it's um, like what, what Ingrid said really resonated with me. Um, it's about being, as one of the, the, the leaders in the local um, the leadership team, I really find that giving the right example is, or be, being a role model, being an example, is what you can do. And um, like educating people is difficult because then it makes it seem like you're going to tell them like you cannot do that and you have to do that. I think it's about giving an example um, and people make mistakes and, and you correct them in a way that is friendly and open and I think that's how you you grow as an organization or as a, as a local as a local team, and that's exactly what I do as well. So for me, it's, it's the uh, just dropping it in, in a comfortable way about like going away with the weekend with your partner and having that conversation about the normal stuff that's happening in everyone's life and, 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 and using yourself as an example, I think it sets the tone that anyone can be themselves in your team. So that's really what I aspire to with uh, my local team.
3: Can I add something to that? Of course. Because I'm just building on what you're saying. Um, if you are able to tell an ally, hey, this just happened to me, I didn't really feel comfortable, Um, and this person understands and learns something. So that's what I mean. Education seems like you're in a classroom, but it's also just about sharing stories. The next time when I'm in a situation that somebody uh, says something that could be quite offending or make me feel unsafe, uh, it's great to have an ally step up for me, and that me being the one again to take on that weight of educating this person. So allyship is really about taking the shared responsibility to create an inclusive culture, and not only um, yeah. giving that responsibility to the, um, the people who are underrepresented in your organization.
0: You obviously made the point that you were part of the, the yeah. queer community in our general introduction. Yeah. Have you always felt safe dropping that you're going away with your partner uh, for the weekend? What, what allowed you to feel able to do that?
2: Um, so I think I might be a special case in that, or at least for myself, because I struggled with my, uh, being gay for quite a long time or struggled. I was very unwilling to accept it for myself till uh, a later age. I was 27 when I actually came out. Uh, but as soon as I came out, like I'm a very extroverted person. So as soon as I came out, I wanted everyone to know it and I was very, (laughs) very open about it. So I haven't felt, um, felt uncomfortable about it. The, the only times where It's been top of my mind is in um, conversations when you're like applying for a job or meeting new people where it's like a formal kind of thing where you just don't know yet how someone on the other side will react. And so that's the only times I would kind of like maybe not tone it down, but like either bring it up in a comfortable manner, like to to be a bit more strategic about it. But I'm very, yeah, very extroverted. So in that sense, I really don't care what people think. And I just, (laughs) yeah, put it out there.
0: Ranjith, you're head of commercial. Um, you know, we're talking to a room full of startups, um, founders, leaders of those businesses. There's a lot of pressure to grow those organisations quickly. How do we make sure that commercial drivers don't get in the way of making sure that these environments are safe, you know, chasing users or, or return on investment as opposed to making sure that you're building an organisation that has the right, the right foundations in place to, to be a cl- truly inclusive place?
4: Yeah, <clears throat> true. Um, good question. I think, first of all, that if a company values basically profit over you know, the well-being of their own employees, because this is part of it, then you should first question, you know, do you actually want to work for such a company like that? Um, and I think where it starts off with, if you look at um, employees you know, needing to come in into a fast-growing company, it's basically a funnel, right? And when you start looking from the top of the funnel without any biases, um, then you're going to look more into, you know, what competencies are important for me to fill a specific role or to sp- uh, fill a specific department. Um, and then by natural things, you know, the DNI will increase because um, I think that's really funny because maybe the movie Ratatouille, if you've ever seen it, they say not everybody can become a great chef, but a great chef can come from anyone. And that's the same with... Uh, talent and competencies that you would need, and if you start looking at that without any bias, you will, by you know, by a natural cause, already hire more people that fit into you know the queer community. Um, and I think then the second step would be also to empower them to make sure that um, it's important that they also contribute to you know, whatever the business then demands, but that it not should be taken over any profit that the company wants to make.
0: It's an interesting point about empowerment. I'm quite happy for any of you to jump in here, but how do you empower staff? I I mentioned before that I'm on our Global DE&I Council. It's a voluntary organization. We're looking at other organizations, trying to work out what's successful in those businesses to help empower our own people to feel inclusive, to feel open to be themselves. And any kind of tips, Uh, any advice that you'd give or or, or practices that you've seen in other businesses that have really worked to help empower people?
4: One thing that we do at our company is that uh, when we have lunch together, um, we write down on a paper, every one of us, like, what makes you unique can be anything. And then we put it in a bowl and the bowl goes around. And you need to pick it and you need to guess who it is. And sometimes people write, like, you know, I used to weigh 100 plus kilos or I, you know, have some weird hobby or whatever it is. But then you talk about it and it also makes it easier for people then to feel accepted as who they are with whatever they have. And then you learn other things about your colleagues so that the judgmental part, that is something that then will, will slowly fade away over time.
0: Have you ever?
3: No, I think it's a great example because I would, my answer would be you, empowerment starts a lot with sharing stories. So, giving people the opportunity to share their stories, and this is a great, uh, great way. Um, and um, encouraging people to uh, network, meet people outside of their regular communities. And also, again, educating or um, inspiring people, telling stories how what you've learned from connecting with somebody that you would normally not go out with or have. It, bear with, or don't have a bear with, but have a walk with, because this person doesn't like bear, you know? So really trying to um, stretch yourself to meet new people, learn new things, and I think that's the way that um, both parties are empowered.
2: Yeah, and I think on the side of Uber, I, I, we like to think of ourselves as a startup. I think people know that it's not quite the case anymore, we're a bit bigger now, but we've inst- institutionalized this um, uh, more, for example, with uh, um, employee resource groups, so the the ERGs, um, in this case, the Pride ERG is very active in uh, a range of activities from organizing all types of social events at our uh, headquarters here in Amsterdam, um, where you literally just mingle and allies or other people that are interested in free drinks uh, can just show up and, and you kind of talk about uh, things going on, uh, but they also... Get a lot more involved in uh, things that are happening in the work environment that impact uh, people so right now uh, the ERG is working on a um, uh, on a transition for uh, like people going through through a transition uh, a, a manual that they can use for their managers for their team members for their family members their chosen families their uh, their friends on like how can you best support someone that is going through this phase and how do you uh yeah how do you deal with it and and just uh, helping someone with that such an information package for me as a manager, like I, I, I personally wouldn't know right now what to do. And that there's a community that can help um, the company grow and help people grow. I think that's very valuable uh, to
0: do. Okay, in preparing for this event, um, Alaric, my uh, Dutch Sphinx colleague, spoke to the community, found out what you wanted to talk about. And one of the questions that came back was how you can translate inclusive workplace culture to action through affirmative policies. And there you're talking touching on some of those there uh so i'll, st- I'll stick with you nick and also yep. given that one of your hats is as a as a head of policy yep. it would seem to be right up your street what do you make of that question in terms of translating culture uh to action through affirmative policies
2: so i think when it comes to affirmative policies you it becomes a little bit sensitive um there's of course a lot of regulation also involved with what you can and uh, and cannot do i think the um uh, uh as far as I'm aware, we don't do uh, affirmative policies as in advantaging certain groups over others in the actual workplace. What we do do is very uh, specific policies on recruiting because I think there you can really have an impact. Um, what we do is we make sure that um, when you recruit, that the the, the candidates uh, on the list before the process starts, before you can actually have interviews, that it's a diverse uh, uh, panel of candidates. Uh, it reflects the the... the um, i said the, the the work environment in the country in the region uh, that you're in we also make sure that there is a diverse panel that actually is doing the interview so you cannot have an interview only with white males uh, like it has to be a diverse um, uh, diverse panel and the last thing that we've also done is uh, again given the ERG a role so if you're uh, um, interviewing, you actually get an opportunity to already uh, independently speak with one of the ERGs, so whether it's the Pride ERG or uh, it's the at Uber uh, ERG, um, you get an opportunity to speak with what it's like at the workplace to get an understanding, and that is uh, completely outside of the interview process. So I don't know the candidate before I speak with them, and I don't know um, whether they will or will not get the job, uh, but they get half an hour to ask any questions, and that will range from how is it to be Uh, gay at Uber to like what are the parties like it's like literally everything so it's but I think it really creates um, what you need and um, so I think it's more about making sure that you you set things up from the start really well to come to a diverse uh, um, uh, organization and inclusive organization rather than putting it in place inside the actual workplace because that's also legally not always possible
0: it's interesting on the legal point because our ERGs are predominantly UK based your ERGs are the international or?
2: So we have a, the ERGs are global. Um, and in EMEA we have a, like a leader for the, uh, EMEA stands for Europe, Middle East and Africa. We have a head of the Europe, Middle East and Africa yeah, ERG. They will, many of them will be here in Amsterdam because it's our headquarters. And this is the large uh, set of our teams here, but they're all over the region.
0: Yeah, because it is the point that um, we will often think about well, we'd like to do X, Y, or Z, and then we run into a legal challenge that we hadn't considered in another, co- in another country. And it can be frustrating when you're an international organization and you're, you're a group of people representing a minority and, and that, that cultural impact and even that legal impact that's kind of impedes your process. Point that
2: when I prepped for this and I spoke with some of the people doing the, the recruiting, that's what the, the biggest thing they flagged. is like in, in the US, it's, it's easier because things, well, it's a very big region with very similar legislation. In Europe, it's very different per country. And that makes it very difficult for an organisation like us also to uh, to action some of these things.
0: Look, we've got an international audience listening, Ingrid Randjith. I mean, what 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 can we learn from the Netherlands? You know, what what uh, what would you say to listeners in the UK or to the US to this podcast that that policies that that are working here that are improving inclusion in organisations?
3: Well, when it comes to policies, I think it's also really difficult because it also feels as if you are. Um, that it's not free will <laughs> but that people have to do or have to treat you in a certain way. Um, from my own experience, after I uh, sold my uh, startup, I sat on a couch for three weeks thinking about my next step and uh, I eventually decided to join um, Accenture. So to see the corporate from the inside. And the reason that I chose Accenture was because they were very uh, open on the websites and uh, other communications that they were actively Um, welcoming and seeking people with diverse backgrounds. And it's not a policy, but it is something that they put so much effort in that made me like, okay, if I join a corporate uh, and want to learn more things about uh, tech, uh, then this is the one I'm going to choose. And when I did, I was also introduced even before um, I was uh, uh, hired to the ERG and was able to ask all these questions. And uh, also, when I was hired, do you want to join, because we are the ones that are going to uh, advise the organization on how to become uh, a better um, uh, employer in uh, in the ways that we interact with our uh, diverse uh, employees. So, um, yeah, that's just from my experience made me feel very welcome, and I also felt... um, that I was empowered to contribute to a change, but not feeling that it was a rule, but that it's something that the organization really wants.
4: Yeah, I, I fully agree with, uh, with you, because I think that's part of the employer branding, basically. That's also what you show, and when you see, for a company on the website, like the team that's working there, when you already see, for example, that it's a diverse team, you know, then it's already easier, at least for me, when it would be like all you know, white male, 185 with an MBA, you know, then I would be less inclined, actually, to start applying, which is stupid, right, because I'm Dutch. So I fully agree with the employer branding part, but I also think that um, making it, uh, giving it a voice, like with an event like this to speak about it, then people hear this more, right? Because even in the Netherlands, you know, say that we are, you know, the UK can learn from it, but I think even if you look at the southern part of the Netherlands, it's a different story than here in you know, Amsterdam and in the northern part of the Netherlands. So, And I think the more you talk about it, also through online and social media, then that also gives a voice to it. And then other companies and businesses, and especially leadership, will also take notice of it and then hopefully start to learn and think about doing things differently.
0: Well, I want to thank each of you for your time on this part of the podcast. Um, they'll all be back. Sasha will obviously uh, open this up to Q and A that we're not recording um, at the end of our second session. So hopefully there's been some questions that have been provoked by this chat. But thank you very much for your time. We'll take a quick ten minute break to recharge glasses, and then we'll be back with the second session before the Q and A. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Right. So let's let's have a quick chat about the session we have just heard, and then also look forward to the session we're about to play. Um, if there's one thing that I'd pull out it's about being intentionally inclusive and I think it's I think it's a really well made point I think by Ingrid that although most people have don't have bad intentions or have good intentions we don't all have the right tools to necessarily make someone feel welcome and I think that's a really good point and, and also that we shouldn't feel ashamed to admit that we might not have the right tools and we need a bit of help in education mm,
1: I, I think that that actually resonated with me as well and it was it was such a it, it's such a complex subject right whereby you you could go anywhere and you could look at processes tools people technology you know how do you make your organization more intentionally it, inclusive but the way she put it was very simple you know it was a is a way to say look this is something that we we know we need to do something that we know is right and it works so mm-hmm. why don't we look to address it right and and actually become more inclusive and and um <clears throat> and i think you, you know a lot of organizations over a number of years have need to show a bit more and have shown actually uh, vulnerability to to these areas and say look maybe maybe we're not set up maybe it's and a lot of the times it's more i personally think from my understanding and, and opinion is i i think it's more of a a, a psyche thing it's more people just haven't you know they're not used to like a like a trans sort of leader they're not used to seeing you know someone that may have joined the business as a he and now um you know um kind of the the pronouns that they use are, are you know she or or you know they they go into a, a non-binary um hmm. you know kind of uh, phase so it, it, it's it's I think a lot of the times it's we're very set in our ways right and and especially living working in london you know um things have their own places right and and tradition has its own places and culture has its own mm. place but more and more we're seeing a lot of diversity and i think I, 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 do i think we're we're there no um but we've come a long way from people being stoned on the streets for for being gay yeah. do you know what i mean
0: and you're right that the we think traditionally and it's sometimes hard and look personally speaking from personal very personal experience. My dad, mm. um, as many people know, is transgender. My dad transitioned when I was in my late teens. And I find it really hard to, to say dad and she. Mm. And I regularly fuck up and say dad and he. And that, I suppose, is, is a microaggression. It's being unintentionally exclusive. I will, I, I'll do stupid things, like I'll be out in public, and I will draw attention to the fact that my dad is trans by shouting dad mm. across a restaurant which is probably not very sensitive but it's hard it's I, like and i think that's worth saying that you can you can have good intentions and it can be difficult and and having the right toolkit isn't easy and it is something that has to be worked at and something that people shouldn't feel shame for for getting wrong occasionally so long as they're trying their best and trying to get it right
1: yeah and and i think that's it right it it's, it's the intention right it's the it's the knowing that um we i, I you know someone who isn't, for for example, if, if I use your dad, right, as an example, you know, he, I'm sure wouldn't mind someone who's not trans or maybe isn't that educated to maybe slip up, right? But then it's, yeah. but then, but well, then you, it's that person. You
0: said dad, you said dad and he. Yeah.
1: Without even yeah. realising, because well, it. it's goes. such yeah, a, because yeah, yeah. well, it's yeah. such a difficult yeah.
0: thing to follow dad with she. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't,
1: that.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah yeah, but this is, this is my point. Like it's, it's a really well made point by Ingrid. That you can accidentally put someone on the defensive mm. without meaning to, and it's and and we have to really work at having the right tools mm. to to make someone feel welcome. Yeah. Um. And I don't. And I don't think we should pretend that it's it's necessarily easy. Yeah. Um. And and I think if 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 we're honest about that, then people will work at it and and make a little bit more more headway. Yeah.
1: Exactly. because. You know, if we just look at a male-female gender, I mean, that's been around for for centuries, decades. You know, um, full generations, and and now when we're we're so uh, kind of you know talking about this at, at such a big scale, it's going to take time. It's going to take time for change, right? But as long as people are willing and showing vulnerability putting their hands up and wanting to kind of embrace the change and learn and develop and understand and educate themselves i think that's that's what will will help drive um yeah drive better decisions and and drive Mm. more awareness
0: our second panel focuses on um inclusive workforces It, it, it focuses on finance and financing of um startups ron who is the the uh, founder of Skybox, who are, were our venue hosts, um, along with Sarah Massey and Sasha, um, who also did a wonderful job, by the way, of, of Sasha uh, hosted the Q&A after the recordings. We turned the mics off to to make it as safe a safer space as we possibly could for questions. But, Akash, okay, you, you obviously have listened to this. Anything that, that jumped out in particular? Um,
1: just in terms of, you know, just like VCs and, and how they are looking at funding, right? And I think they're still... I got a sense that they may be a little bit cautious. Um, I don't know if that's fair. I wasn't in the room. I couldn't engage kind of body language. I'm just going off audio. Uh, I still think, you know, VCs, if given a group of diverse founders or given a group of, you know, um, male ex-bankers or consultants and, you know, great ideas, I think, you know, they, they would rather give it to a group of, you know, blokes with blue suits and white shirts on as compared to you know if someone was a yeah, bit more yeah, sadly. kind of yeah you know if someone was a bit more sort of out there expressing themselves showing diversity and actually embracing and using their diversity as a means to drive their business i think i think they would be like oh that's a bit more you know a bit more of a, a a bet or a bit more of a gamble you know go with the tried and tested of john's and dave's and no offense to your name but um yeah it's a very it's, it's a, a very, very generic is
0: a boring name,
1: name. <laughs> it's a very boardroom <laughs> name in it um but yeah you know
0: <laughs> all, all three of my given names david allen john i mean you couldn't get... <laughs> my wife often says you know how unimaginative were your mum and dad
1: <laughs> but um but yeah so you know that that's kind of that That i, I yeah. think um that's one thing i took out and how how these founders should be you know using their voice using their platforms and when they do get that founding you know those vcs should actually be recognized a bit more because they've gone almost away from the norm um i don't want to say that in a in a kind of way to be like oh you know you've taken a gamble like you know but they they have gone away from the non-traditional vc sort of backing funding routes and you know trying Mm -hmm. something else so yeah i think there needs to be more
0: of that well, look, uh, we'll play this second half, this second session, as I said, new panel, slightly new um, direction, slightly different energy as well from the first session. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining us today. Akeesh, thanks for your time. Cheers. Well, we've got another 20 minutes of uh, recorded content, um, and I have a feeling that in this panel, it might be a lesser case of asking questions and more kind of sitting here and occasionally trying to interrupt <laughs> I think the three of you might oh, have, have right. plenty That's to funny. say in a good way. Um, okay, so for the benefit of the audience at home, yes. starting to my left, Hi. Sarah Massey. Hi. Who I'm, are you? What do you do?
5: <laughs> Hi, I'm Sarah Massey, and my pronouns are she/her. And I am the CEO and co-founder of Freak, which is at F R E E Q. L O V E, and we throw online events for the LGBTQ plus community.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Now we're Yeah, I think that deserved a dab. Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) uh, Ron. Yeah. um, People listening won't be able to see that we're sat in your lovely space, but that we are. Uh, Do you want to tell everyone who you are, what you do?
6: My name is Ron Simpson. I'm a creative entrepreneur. Um, I turn creative ideas into successful concepts. Skybox, The Avocado Show, 24K and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's my pleasure to be here. What story are we on? Tenth. 10th. Yeah, you're like the hot dog in the sandwich called the Adam Tower.
0: Yeah, so unfortunately yeah. our audience won't be able to see this, but the views are fantastic.
6: I hope uh, so. I hope they
0: get a sense of that. Yeah, listening let's describe
6: exactly what it looks like. <laughs> 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 That'll
0: be 20 minutes in itself. Um, and then last but certainly not least, Sasha, do you want to tell everyone who you are?
7: Yes, hello. Uh, my name is Sasha Martina. I am co-founder and CEO of a company called Your Talent Agency, where we recruit and relocate epic people to epic companies here in the Netherlands. Um, and next to that, I'm a, a big fan, or I would say purposely driven, enthusiast about anything that has to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, also keynote speaker, moderator. Uh, I'm very happy to be here today.
0: Thank you all. Right, first question. We have two female founders, CEOs, on this section panel. Sarah Massey, What can be done to evolve the boardroom into a more inclusive space?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think right away, when you're in a position of power as a CEO, as a founder, as a creative, you have this golden opportunity to impact the world that you live in and the world that you're working in. And so when you're looking at your board, so we understand boards of boards of investors, boards of donors. We at Freak, we have advisory boards. Right? So these are folks who are not necessarily participating in the financial aspect of FREAK, but are very much concerned about how we develop uh, our culture, who we are, and who we're serving. So we have a board of advisors. Why not go out and look for folks who are diverse, <laughs> who come from communities of color, from queer communities, and let's just get them on there. I don't, I don't think we have to be so um, well, again, maybe this is the American in me. We, we like to shift things up. <laughs> we don't have to be so stodgy and in the box about it. Let's just bring people along who can help advise us as we grow. I've been on many boards. I'm, please bring me on your board.
0: <laughs> I, I was talking to um, an organization for this podcast recently, um, a VC fund um, who had a report out called the, the Sunicorn List. Kind of the next hundred European unicorns. And I think only two out of the hundred were all female founding teams. Yeah. Sasha, why do you think that is? Because obviously here we have we have two on a panel, so why is why is that not translating through into those figures that the VC community is seeing?
7: Well, if I had the answer, I think I would have a, I would have an island on the Bahamas now. But <laughs> I think the the, the the answer also lies in the fact that um, less than 2% of uh, VC funding goes to female founders or diversity founders, but in this case, especially female founders. Um, So, yeah, it's a a problem within a problem, you would almost say, that uh, they're not visible enough. There's also a challenge of um, the difference between male and female is that females will go for something once they are almost 120% sure that they got it, while well, um, typically males are already satisfied with 70 or 80% and be like, yeah, I think we can go for some funding. Uh, and then also have maybe literally more balls of just asking what they want instead of asking what they need. So female founders, if they think, okay, based on our calculations, we would need 700,000 euros, they will ask for 700,000 euros. Most male founders that pitch will just ask for one and a half million because, you know, better safe than sorry and have some negotiation room. So there's so much difference between already the two sexes um, that uh, I don't I don't believe that there are not enough founders. I just don't think that they are visible enough and that they are being pushed forward and challenged enough to speak to the VCs.
0: The visibility piece is interesting. I mean, I mean Ron, you, you host young creative entrepreneurs in this space. Yep. Do you think they look for mentors in large enterprise organizations to say, ah, this is the person I can aspire to be? Or you know, how, how much does visibility impact on, on their career trajectory?
6: 100%. 100%. There's no doubt. I think um, this discussion has been done on many levels, right? Whether it's actors on TV or athletes or whatever it is you lead by example, and if you don't see someone that looks or feels like you, it's just less interesting. So interest is the start of inspiration, if you ask me. I think you, you need to spark something and see like, hey, I need to believe from the very first moment that I can do the same thing with, if if I want to take a deeper dive into it. And if it seems like it's not for you, you you'll you start thinking like it's not for you. And I think that's the, the major difference. And, you just said there's a problem in a problem. I think there's a solution in a solution, right? I think it's a chain reaction. Once we figure out how to get more people visible and um, connect them to the next generation that will be doing this, that you will literally start seeing avalanches of improvement, not percent by percent, but literally avalanches, um, which is you know something that happened in my world. If you look at, diversity within media or diversity within movies or whatever, where I think the conversation started for me. I think obviously business is a different thing, but it started in the media. They solved that pretty quickly um, because they figured out that what the impact of it could be. And I think once we figure out what the impact could be of diversity in business, because business is business, if you see it being impactful, forget it will be, you know, run by women in no time. Once they figure out they're better than us.
7: That's, yeah. <laughs> can, I, uh, can I say something about that? Because I, I agree with you 200%. Um, but I'm also curious because numbers don't lie. We mm-hmm. know that diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams in business. Yeah. Uh, sometimes up to 30, 35%. But apparently still... You know that. Yeah.
6: We don't know that we as a people do not know that exactly you know that
7: so it's also about educating
6: yeah it's about visibility as i said it's not just looking at a person and seeing hey that person looks or acts or is like me it's about actually understanding what you're looking at as well and also again business is just bottom line if there's bottom line impact it will you know change the organization okay
0: sarah i know you're keen to jump in but let me just interject and steer it then towards the point that you made around connecting or connections. Mm -hmm. How do you make that connection? Because what you're quite clearly articulating here is that connection is not being made. Why not? How can it be made?
6: Because actually nine out of 10 times um, business people or VCs in general are not that strong in communication at all. They're actually, you know, I'm not saying it's a hidden society at all, but I'm saying like, it's kind of a private closed enterprise group where you only reach certain levels by knowing people and getting there. It's behind closed doors a lot. And so even if something would change, even if it went from two to 4%, which would be doubling, right? You would still not know. So we need public examples. We need public stories. It's all about reaching people, not just doing things in the dark. And I think that, again, you know, leading by example, once we have really cool people doing stuff and you put them in front of other people, this is exactly what we should be doing on a bigger scale.
5: I love all of that. (laughs) I'm just gonna, I'm gonna talk about Freak for a moment. Uh, So we're a two year old company. Uh, Our entire team is LGBTQ+. My co-founder is a trans mask person. So we are a diverse set of co-founders. Recent data point came out that less than 1% of VC money goes to trans founders. What am I supposed to do with that, okay? Two to 5% going to women, less than 1% going trans. I've decided that's not a system that's going to work for freak, right? You're putting me in competition with um, connections, as you just said, with business folks who are in the loop on what the VCs want. We're over here creating a company that serves a population that is being bullied harassed and censored on the big social media. We're giving folks an alternative and folks pay for that. That's how we make money. We've bootstrapped everything that we've done so far. We've attracted partners. We've attracted folks who are uh, giving us the resources that we need to build because I don't see a structure as a woman, as a queer person. This is my fourth business. I don't see a structure that's gonna work for me inside of the VC world. So we're gonna do kind of what Ron just said, and we're gonna prove it. <laughs> and you can tell I'm a little bit of punk, I'm a little bit bravada, and I, I'm excited to prove that a queer tech company can build for power on its own. And then maybe we become the VC folks, right? Then we turn around and invest in women in tech, and trans folks in tech, and people in color of color in tech.
6: Before we hit, sorry, Ron, go on. Can I just ask, like, to me, when people say things like this which i feel is you know empowering and more more power to you but when we're talking about stats like right the 1% i need more context though like i don't know how much of the entire pitchable companies right. are trans at all so if it's only 1% maybe it's only 1% that are
5: trans that funded? are
6: trying to yeah i have yeah. no clue so for me it's very hard to understand if that is bad or good in a way because if all money in the world from VC level would be 1% to specifically only a box that would say trans. I I understand what you're saying. I don't know what that means. If if
5: trans, what proportion of CEOs are trans? Exactly. I think that goes to the point of, are we supporting our trans CEOs? And are we supporting trans and non-binary people to come up in this work? And then we can answer that question. But when I see that data point, what I see is a world that doesn't include my company. And that's what I'm working to change.
6: Okay, that I get. But I think you know the the front end of what you were saying, that's where we also lack in communication. Like we need context, we need to understand things. Not just a percentage like it's 1% or that I'm not talking about you, but in general, like I would need for me to really understand how to change things, and let's if we all want to try and change things, I think everyone should have information. We need to get this info out as well, not just success stories, but like
0: So forgive me if mean? this is if this is phrased inelegantly but before we hit record sasha you said that vcs are looking for diverse teams sarah massey is quite clearly stating that they are not finding those diverse teams and ron you are saying that leaders are bad at communicating is it that vcs are looking for leaders leaders perhaps are bad at communicating to the vc community companies
6: in general are bad at communicating okay it's tough to get stories out there but i think they do exist but the VC money seems to be going to safe bets. Yes.
0: Is it that diverse teams, therefore, or diverse founding teams aren't articulating to the VC community about why they are exciting, safe places where money can be made for the VC community, which is ultimately what they're
6: worried about? Are we also here for unpopular opinions?
0: Well, yeah, honest opinions.
6: Okay. Um, do we, as a group, should we be placing money towards minorities in any way possible, whether it's trans or it doesn't matter to me which, which box it is, or should you as a VC, put your money in whatever you believe is a good concept, right? So even though I have very diverse companies, we hire talent. That to me is very important. We hire talent. And I'll hear every talent out. (laughs) It doesn't matter to me in which shape or form you show up. That is fine. But I'll go for the best person for the job. To me, I think it's kind of a... um, There is a slippery (laughs) slope in saying we should have an X amount of this and an X amount of that. Because the amount of X's are infinite. And I do believe that everyone should have fair chances and money should be distributed fairly. I truly understand. But to me, it's more about ideas and then getting there. And I believe that a diverse team can create a stronger idea. But I don't necessarily, I wouldn't pick a lesser idea for a diverse team, (coughs) if you understand what I'm saying.
0: So, Sasha, let's, because the audience will be order. looking for a, for a takeaway. There will be people <laughs> listening who are leading businesses, who are trying to attract finance. Yeah. And perhaps they are in the same box as yourself and Sarah Massey in terms of a, of a demographic or a minority. How do they put pressure on the finance community to invest in their business?
7: So first of all, I hate the word minority because it obviously says you're less. Uh, nothing to, to you, David, or anybody who uses this, but I think there's a lot of other words that we can use.
6: Teach us, which words?
7: Ah, what about exceptional, for example? <laughs> um, no, because uh, minority groups have always been called minority groups. For if you are whatever, of color, if you are part of any other community, then I would say, um, what we say that we call here the seven, the seven boxes, the seven thingies, um, then you're a minority group, which will always put you one or two spots behind all the other groups. So I think that's number one. Um, number two is, yes, I think it's uh, um, VCs, in general, also have a particular group of what you just said, into people that know each other, that have been in that community, that will always mm-hmm. reach out to other people that have been in that community, and therefore they will never look around and see like, oh, well, I don't see a problem happening here, because everybody that is here has to, shares the same opinion and has the same mindset as myself. Um, But I also know that there are initiatives happening, and I just think that it's not going in the pace as it should be. So, uh, for example, there's a lot of VCs in the Netherlands that undersigned an agreement where they said, we want to hire, or we want to put our money in more diverse companies and more diverse founding teams. Uh, And then I think they were thriving for 30%, and eventually it ended up at around 10%, but we're not there yet. We're getting there slowly but surely, so I agree, more role models, more success stories should be shared. But also, um, if you are uh, an exceptional founding team, and you're running up against eight or nine other uh, um, startups or scale-ups looking for money, who basically all fit the same box, and you are again the exceptional one, the VCs choose the safe option nine out of ten times. Um, this is just a little bit how human mind is programmed, for some reason. So, I want I to sort of challenge uh, the HVCs to flip it around, and therefore focus more on those uh, exceptional groups, and invite only exceptional uh, companies to pitch. Because then you have a group of, well, only exceptional uh, founding teams, and then obviously uh, the rules will be changed. So this is a little bit, I think, my mindset on how we can make that impact bigger.
5: And in, in American parlance, we call this equity, what you just described, which is knowing that uh, a population has had the keys to the castle. Okay. We are actually going to invest on purpose more money into the group that needs to be brought along. And that's what my company does. We have a 100% commitment to hiring from LGBTQ+, from people of color, and other groups. Because we know that that group of talent has been untapped by people who have ignored us and people who haven't valued what we can bring to the table. And so FREAK is hiring. When we do, when we bring people aboard, they're part of our community. We've also made a commitment that all of our sourcing and all of our partners will be either LGBTQ plus or other uh, exceptionally led companies. And let me tell you, when you make that commitment, you change everything. Because every single CEO that I met, when I met (laughs) Sasha at TNW, I asked, what does your C-suite look like? How many women do you have? How many people of color? How many out queer folks do you have on your team? And over and over and over again, they couldn't answer a basic question. A basic question. I'm not gonna bring you my resources as a representative and a leader of the LGBTQ community unless you can show me that you're investing in my resources. And when I talk to VC companies, I ask them the same thing. How many women are in your C-suite? I'm glad that you're making this investment, but are you investing in your own staff and your own team? So I think we do need to challenge, it's not just about the best person shows up for the gig. The best person is the person who cares about what we're doing, and we can bring them along by investing in their talent. And that's what we're gonna do. And that's what we're doing.
0: I think this could run two or three times as long, but we don't have any more time on the podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to this, it'll probably be out next week, we'll confirm that, but it's Tech Talks, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple, find it, search it, you'll be able to subscribe there so you'll be able to listen. Um, I'm going to take the microphones off the three of you and thank you, and then, Sasha, I'm sure you will invite the other three panellists up to answer Q&As in a safe space, but thank yes. you very much for your time. Thank
5: you. <laughs>